0: Uh, we're going to be continuing this week. We're talking about the, the heart of the giver. And um, I'm going to remind you of that passage uh, Alyssa just kind of lifted up to you that we've been reading throughout this time. Uh, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, kind of a, in theme with that, uh, I was asking you where your treasure is last week, and I gave you three questions uh, to think about and to answer. Uh, wh- what do you think about the most? Where do you, uh, what occupies your mind? Where do you spend your mental energy? Uh, what do you spend your time on? And for many of us, time is a very precious commodity. And what do you spend your money on? And, and I reminded you that, you know, when you answer these three questions, if you answer them honestly it will tell you what your life is telling you about what your treasure truly is, how you're living, and how you're honoring that. Whatever we might say, the answer to these tells us how we are living uh, in accord with. We're living like this is really our treasure, even if that doesn't agree with what you say. And if it doesn't agree with what you normally say, what does that mean, and and how do you address that? Where your treasure is is also... Uh, actually where where your heart is and so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about you know where your heart is because where your heart is that's where we find blessing or curse in our lives let's pray mighty god we thank you on this great morning that you gather us here and you bring us into the light of your presence and we ask the light of your spirit to shine into us this morning may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So where your treasure is, there your heart is. And where your heart is, that's the place we find blessing or curse in our lives. In in the Old Testament, when when, uh, the people of Israel come into the promised land, uh, God is constantly trying to remind them not to forget who God is. Uh, in that time and and either act like God didn't have anything to do with it or or act like the other gods had something to do with it and in Deuteronomy he reminds them that uh, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse the blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today the curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known when we read these old passages like this, uh, one of the things that, that's helpful, I think, is to remember that these, uh, these words, kind of covenant passage in the Old Testament, are based on something called a suzerain-vassal treaty. Uh, and it was a, the, the way in which treaties were reached in the Middle East in that time between greater and lesser states. And so, uh, you know, you had, they had the greater state and the lesser state. And, and in those treaties, the language of love was uh, used to signify obedience and the language of hate was used to signify disobedience. Now, when we translate it, we'll usually use obey and disobey because love and hate don't always convey what the treaty actually meant back then. But it was used to to say that. And and it was like this, you know, if if you're the the, the greater power and you have taken over a country, well, that country then, provided it is willing to live within your laws and, and your system, you extend over that country your protection, you provide for them, you protect them, you keep them safe from their enemies and the surrounding areas. And so that's the blessing that you pour out on them, the, the blessing of life and the blessing of commerce. If they choose not to live under your laws and your strictures, then basically they're on their own to deal with their enemies. And so that carries over in, in, into the, the, this kind of covenant language that we have with God and, and we read in Scripture where God says, you know, I'm setting before you today, you know, the way of blessing, the way of life. And if you'll, if you'll go down this path that I've set before you, a path of, of blessing and of life, things will be well with you. You'll have a great life and your life will be abundant and your life will be blessed. And if you choose not to go down that path, those things won't be part of your life. And basically, you're kind of on your own to deal with the trials of the world. So where our treasure is, there our heart is. And if our heart is on the path of blessing, there's a lot of blessing that comes in our life. And if we choose not to be on that, then we've chosen to be in a place of difficulty in life. So as, as all these teachings around heart and, and treasure and all that come together... I'll throw a couple of other things at you. Uh, Jesus reminds us uh, that, you know, when we talk about where our heart is, uh, that it's not simply about, you know, uh, the offering of the, of the actual gift that's offered, but actually where our heart is. Uh, you know, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. A reminder that, that part of this offering of ourselves is, is an offering of our heart and, and a willingness to, to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters and be in proper relationship with them. And in a similar way in 2 Corinthians there's a very uh, familiar passage that you've probably heard um, many times Um, that goes like this uh, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly whoever sows generously will also reap generously each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver now I don't know about you but when I was younger that God loves a cheerful giver thing did y'all ever have anybody tell you that and they said it to you in a way that kind of sounded like being under compulsion didn't they yeah, like, you know, you got to do this because God loves a cheerful giver. And well, that's really not what it says. It, it, it says this should be something that comes out of your heart, that you shouldn't be doing it from compulsion. God loves that, but, but that's not why you do it. You do it because it, it flows from your heart. This is where your treasure is. Your treasure's in this way of blessing. Your treasure's in God, and your heart is there. And so, so you want to do this. Now, the first part of this where it talks about, you know, sowing and reaping, you know, it, it goes back to that, that whole mindset of do we understand ourselves to be in the world and where God has provided for us or not. Uh, I've told you all before, you know, my, my sister and I compared notes about things when we were uh, growing up. My sister was the Christian Ed Director at First Methodist in Missouri City. And uh, at this time we were talking, I was in uh, Seguin at First Methodist as the pastor. And we would talk about this because we, we came to realize that our parents who both grew up as the children of single parents during the Depression— Uh, had this attitude in their life that, you know, tomorrow you might go without. So you better be careful because there might not be enough for tomorrow. And and that kind of scarcity mindset uh, was something they lived with. And, And even though that was not part of what we grew up with, we didn't grow up under those kind of circumstances, somehow they managed to pass that on to us. And as we grew, what we came to understand was that if we lived from a place of scarcity... It affected our whole life. If we were scarce in one area of our life, if we lived that way, kind of stingy in one area of our life, we were that way, everything. If we were stingy with our money, we were stingy with our affection, we were stingy with our love, we were stingy with our time and our effort. Because although mentally you can divide your life out into different segments, it really is all stitched together as a whole. And we choose as a whole in life to be generous as a whole to live from scarcity and to be stingy. And so we began to challenge one another to try to be more generous in our life. And, and that became kind of an ongoing thing for a number of years with us uh, to see who could you know open up more, not, not only with our money, but also with our time and, and with our love and with our affection. And that was a challenge that, frankly... I still wrestle with today because once you have that kind of scarcity mindset in you, it's hard to get past it sometimes. But even in times of scarcity, if you have a mindset of abundance, it's still possible to be amazingly generous. I want you to listen. When Paul is writing these words uh, to the Corinthians, uh, a chapter before what I just read you a minute ago, he says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. That God has given the Macedonian churches, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. Now, those those are phrases you don't normally put together, right? You don't normally put together overflowing joy, extreme poverty, and rich generosity. Matter of fact, it kind of sounds like it shouldn't go together, doesn't it? it's hard to to hear those together and yet Paul says this is this is what was going on in the church Out, out of this time of severe trial because of their overflowing joy even in their extreme poverty that welled up in a rich generosity for I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And you hear that, that whole life giving, that whole life giving. I think sometimes here in America, it's, it's hard to, to get that last phrase of overflowing joy, extreme poverty, and rich generosity put together and, and hold that together. But I promise you, when we, when we travel in other parts of the world, we see that over and over again. When we go into places in the world which have so much less than we do, And we are greeted with such abundant generosity. We are blessed beyond measure. And there's a tremendous joy in all of it. Sometimes even stepping in there knowing that this is going to cost them dearly, uh, we are blessed so richly. And and they are blessed so richly just by being able to share that it, it is a time of tremendous joy. And I don't know how you've felt this uh, past year, but you know, for me, it's been this past eighteen months, twenty months, whatever it's been, has just been insane, crazy. Uh, it's been a, a crazy time. You know, we came home from twenty nineteen General Conference and walked into all the firestorm of, of of the debate over that, and then you know, plunged from that right into the midst of COVID, and and everything shut down. And in a time when we all really wanted to get together and and be together and support each other, we couldn't do that, and we had to. Try to figure out well, what does it mean to be the church when you can't come together? And how do you do that? How do you maintain community online when you know most of us are not that familiar with it and when online really is a poor substitute for actually being together? And so as we were shut down and closed in this place through those months, kept looking for Is there a way in this time of of poverty, some of us were affected financially, all of us were affected emotionally and psychologically, is there a time in this time of of, of extreme poverty that we can find joy and generosity? So I I, I looked back over this year, and, and we kind of asked people to help us with this, and and, and we just wanted you to hear that you know, in, in this past year, even, even though we were closed down for much of that time, there were still 1,500-plus were, were home, hospital, hospice, nursing home, and phone visits by pastors and volunteers. There were 6,500-plus pounds of food collected uh, for Fresh Food for All and other food drives. There were 4,419 hours of care and support services to dementia caregivers, clients uh, during this time through House of Friends. There were 221 Thanksgiving bags that were assembled and actually delivered to families. There were 140 families who lost a loved one in this time who were supported by Healing Touch Grief Ministry. Remember, all this is happening during the pandemic while we're closed down. So during the pandemic, you know, while we're closed down, because of the rich generosity of this community, that happened. During the pandemic, because of the rich generosity of this community, many people entertained and got to know Jesus. 246 worship gatherings were held. 25 special needs uh, adults and caregivers were engaged in All God's People Sunday School Uh, That says 32 new members. Since then we've taken in 12 more, so it was actually 44 new members uh, became part of this body of faith. Sixty-five children uh, were taught through kids' worship on Sunday mornings, and, and there were five baptisms that were done. During this time of the pandemic, because of the rich generosity of this community, 55 discipleship communities and classes continued to meet, some of them online, some of them in a hybrid format. There were over 2,500 prayer requests that were received and, and prayed over. There were 15 people who sought healing and freedom from addictions via life recovery. And that was almost all online. And, and, and about half of those folks were not even in our area. I mean, wasn't there one from Singapore, Randy, or Taiwan? Yeah, we just added someone from Auckland, New Zealand. And somebody was just added from Auckland, New Zealand into that group. So it's, it's become this kind of spread out kind of worldwide thing. There was $55,000 in emergency assistance that was provided to 202 families just through our benevolence fund, our benevolence ministry in this church. And there were 213 kids and students discipled through Vacation Bible School, Camp Eagle, and Alpha. All of that, all those things happened. Remember, this is happening during the time when everything shut down. In that time of pandemic shutdown, because of the rich generosity of this congregation, we opened our arms and our parking lots uh, so that. 400-plus neighbors joined our first annual Trunk or Treat. Now, really, there were about 800 people total that were here, uh, but there were 400 from the neighborhood that came and were gathered with us. There was $13,000 that was raised from the pumpkin patch uh, last year. There were 70 families that came and enjoyed breakfast with Santa out on the parking lot for the first time. There were 5,000 eggs hunted by 400 kids at our first ever Easter egg hunt. 5,000 eggs. Those 400 kids scored big time, right? I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I don't remember that when I was young, but you know, hey. And this is happening during the pandemic. There are 25 outdoor worship gatherings, and we're doing another one in a couple of weeks. So uh, plus, you know, we had a luau. We had movie nights. We had Will's Up event. We had Friendsgiving. All of this is happening. Remember, during the pandemic, because of the rich generosity of this congregation and what kind of snuck up on us in the middle of that was that we hit our 45th birthday as a congregation and got to remember that and that's part of the celebration of this time is realizing that we've been richly and with overflowing joy being generous for 45 years and as this congregation as we look forward into the coming year as we look forward in the coming year We're asking you to continue that and continue to be richly generous. Knowing that some of us have had a hard year, we're still asking you to participate in that. And so looking forward, we're planning to gather as family more often for meals together, social gatherings, just fun, Uh, to grow deeper in Christ through increased discipleship and care, uh, opportunities for adults of all ages and stages, to strengthen our mission partnerships, and we're hoping to have 20 new people uh, join in those hands-on efforts. To enhance our ministries of prayer and music to engage the hearts of all who worship here and those beyond our walls. Uh, To multiply the joy of large community events with more offerings for our neighborhood and Bethany families. And in two weeks we have Trunk or Treat coming up again. So you saw that slide earlier. Uh, So another 800 something people uh, hopefully. Uh, To attract more families with new and special and engaging programming. Uh, Considering a new worship service oriented the next generation of singles and young families. Uh, We're going to continue investing in our our physical plant, our facilities, so that that space is even more welcoming and up-to-date. And we want to reach out more intentionally to the homes around this Anderson Mill Road area uh, and be in contact with them. Now, in doing that, we're asking your support for doing that and part of that is financial support and uh, those of you who are members of the church you uh, you received uh, in the mail uh, a flyer that had all this information on it uh, it also had a giving card uh, that we are going to ask you to bring back to worship next week and offer up to god in an act of consecration and so we ask you to do that and uh, i'm going to ask you a couple of things with that one there's a place on here where you can uh, Designate if you want to do this by, um, by checks or if you want to use uh, an EFT, an electronic funds transfer. If you can do that for us, that is the least expensive way for us to receive those funds from you. and uh, makes it easiest on us. Uh, the other thing that my administrator has uh, asked of us is for us to consider whether or not we can increase our giving by something like $10 or $15 a week, which is a big ask. And I get that. I understand that. Uh, But nonetheless, as we come out of the pandemic and begin to rebuild, our costs are rising uh, faster than uh, our income is rising. And so uh, we need for you to participate with us in that. I will tell you that as of this date, about half of the administrative board and the staff, the employees, have already turned in their commitments. uh, And that is just a little bit under $700,000 already committed. Next year, so I want to invite you to join with them in supporting this congregation and letting your your treasure be where God is calling it to be, and your heart to follow with it on this way of blessing. I'll tell you just a little bit about you know on on us on our journey. Um, A number of years ago, uh, I got snookered into going down to El Salvador by Thomas Johnson, who had been down there with the Wesley Foundation uh, to harvesting in Spanish and I've uh, been at the Shalom uh, uh, home down there, and uh, and he took me down there, and, and that began an engagement with them that continues to this day as I've continued to be involved with them. I'm the chair of the International Board of Directors for the organization now and have been for several years, and as part of that, I've gotten uh, the joy of watching as we've continued to send mission teams down there and... Uh, We've uh, worked on on structures and buildings and painted and cleared property and mixed concrete and poured concrete and plastered and done all that kind of stuff that we've done uh, working down there. You've also contributed financially in a substantial way to that organization, and uh, it's gone from an orphanage to an orphanage with a church and an orphanage with a school and bookstores, and and most recently, uh, because of your rich generosity, uh, we got to be there to consecrate the 34,000-foot medical facility that was built on that property. Uh, And that medical facility provides medical care to 240,000 residents who otherwise would not have access to medical care. So that's coming out of your rich generosity, and and that brings my heart great joy, and I hope it brings your heart great joy, uh, that we, because of what we have done, uh, we've been part of making that happen. Uh, in the same way, a number of years ago, a young woman named Elizabeth Stevens uh, invited this congregation to join with her in providing uh, clean drinking water to folks, and uh, because of your generosity, well, we immediately were able to place about eight wells in place, <clears throat> but that also led us to join together with World Vision, an area development project which is continuing to this day, and this congregation, believe it or not, provides about a quarter million dollars a year uh, of financial support into that project and it's provided water and schools and clinics and infrastructure and all kinds of training and strengthening of the faith communities and and I got to go a couple of years ago as your representative to go down there and to be there and to uh, dedicate and consecrate the last water station of the Liloho water system, um, providing safe drinking water to 65,000 residents. Um, And that was a tremendous joy to get to go and be there, but I want you also to know that joy and to realize that because of your generosity, 65,000 people are are having access to clean drinking water. I mean, God calls us (laughs) down this way of blessing to place our treasure in his hands, to place our heart in his hands. This week, um, one of the things that happened was we received word that the Reverend Dr. William J. Abraham had passed away. Uh, he was known to most of us as Billy, that's what he preferred to be called, and uh, w- was one of the giants in the Wesleyan landscape, uh, academically and uh, in, in every way. Uh, he was the Albert Outler Professor of Wesley Studies at Perkins Seminary at uh, Southern Methodist University for, many, for several decades, and had recently retired from that, and then had begun to be the founding professor for the Wesley House of Studies at Truett Seminary in Waco. Uh, I'd seen him uh, this summer, and then I saw him again a couple of weeks ago at New Room Conference. And uh, he was his usual self. And those of you, if you ever had a chance to meet him, uh, he was originally from Ireland, so he had a wonderful Irish accent, uh, just a, a man of tremendous passion and joy. Uh, I know Don, I'm looking at Don over here because I don't know him. And uh, when, when you met Billy, you, you always knew his enthusiasm and his joy in what he was doing. And he was so excited about what was going on in his life. On Thursday night, while he was visiting with his family, uh, he collapsed and died suddenly. And I could not help but think that, you know, here was a guy who was just enjoying everything he was doing in his life, and he was with his family, which was really his second passion in his life. And uh, I thought, well, you know, if you couldn't have, I mean, I'm pretty sure that he could not have thought of a better time uh, for that to happen, to be at this place where so many wonderful things were happening in his life. And he enjoyed and engaged that. And as much as we are still feeling the um, reverberations of his loss uh, from among the Methodist world, uh, I, I don't know how many people he taught, uh, mentored over the years, but an awful lot of us, uh, including me and including my son. Um, at the same time, what a legacy he has left a tremendous legacy uh, in which we all rejoice, and I'm sure God rejoices. Um, and I think, you know, the reason he was so passionate and so joyful in all of his life was that he was going where he knew his treasure was and where his heart was. And he was all in on that. One of my, one of my heroes in the Old Testament is Joshua. And I love Joshua because all the other characters in the Old Testament at one point or another fall down and mess up and make mistakes and all that. And Joshua is absolutely steadfast. It's a high bar, but I am keep hoping someday maybe I can get, get there with Joshua. But he is always absolutely steadfast. And toward the end of the book of Joshua, uh, he has this challenge that he issues uh, to the people of Israel. And he says, "'If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, "'then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, "'whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates "'or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. "'But as for me and my household,' We will serve the Lord. I just hope someday I can live with that kind of absolute conviction. I hope someday I can live with that absolute kind of placing my treasure and my heart in God's hands and and just living fully and joyfully into that way of blessing that God has placed before us. And, And I'm hoping and praying, I'm hoping and praying that you also will choose to pursue that way of blessing. And that's where your treasure and that's where your heart will be in the very presence of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks. In the midst of this crazy world, with so many voices that that clamor for our attention and so many different ways to go, we thank you that you lay out before us uh, your way of blessing and joy. And that you call us to follow and and guide us onto that path. So we ask today that you would make your voice clear in our hearts and in our heads. And that you would direct us in this way. That we might bring our treasure and our hearts to you. That we might find blessing and joy and abundance. Both in our lives and in the lives of the people around us and in this world. And we offer ourselves up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.